can welcome you guys and say happy Easter. This is such a great day because it's a day that we set aside to focus on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, emphasis on the resurrection. We talk about that sin came in the world and we have victory through Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Sometimes when we walk out of a service like this and we walk into Monday and Tuesday, it doesn't feel victorious like we sang about on Sunday. A year and a half ago, I found out that my son Logan has cancer on his heart. And a lot of you guys have been walking this journey with us and it's been hard. He had a failed surgery and we thought that was gonna be the answer. His chemo treatments and in and out of the hospital and it's been up and down and emotional roller coaster and he's doing right, okay right now and I praise God for that. But I'm just telling you that life, life can hit you out of nowhere. It can be overwhelming, it can beat you down. And let me tell you, life can be filled with hurts. And I think sometimes that when we go through hurts like this, we, we step back and we begin to ask the question like, God, why? Where are you and why, why is life so hard and why is it so complicated? Why do so many bad things happen? I'm telling you because maybe you've had these same thoughts. And I know for us that it's a cancer battle. But maybe for you, it's a different situation, but it's health or family or finances or jobs or whatever. But here's the thing that I know that you know what I'm talking about because we can all feel it. So here we go. Today's going to be different. I was driving and I was asking God what he wanted me to do for this Easter and it was months ago. God laid this on my heart. It's time to tell the story, but the whole story. And I know that we often tell the story about the empty tomb and we tell these things, but sometimes we're like, what does that have to do with my hurts? What does that have to do with everyday life? What does that have to do with the curse of this world? So if I'm going to tell this story, can we try something that we normally do with any other story? Can we go back and can we start this story from the very beginning? Okay, so when I say the beginning, I'm not just talking about when Jesus was born. I'm talking about the very beginning. I mean, where did we come from? Why are we here? What is life all about? And I know that there's a lot of people that debate this and there's a lot of theories and things like that. I'm not here to debate all that. I'm here just to tell you the truth. Because the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Can we pause right there? It says God And I know we know that name well because we reference it in everyday life. God is the higher power. God is the big guy upstairs. It's a religious term that we use all the time. Every religion talks about their God. And sometimes we use the word God in a frustration, out of frustration or even a cuss word. But the name here is a Hebrew name that means Elohim. It means that he's more than just a God. It means that he is the author of all. He's the creator of all. He's from the beginning. He's supreme in power. That he is the creator. 
And the power of this name was demonstrated all through creation because God simply said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said that it is good. And God spoke the words and he created galaxies and God spoke the words and he created the sun and the moon. God made the sun to rise and the sun to set and he made the seas and the oceans and the mountains and everything in between and he filled it full of animals. And all of creation cries out that there was and is a creator. If you question, is there a God? I challenge you, just look up. Because the Bible just says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. What we see in this amazing word, world is the handiwork of God, is the hand of God doing this. And we see it. And we stand in all of God's creation. Because this world around us is visual proof that there was and there is a creator. And on the sixth day, God did something totally different. It wasn't just God speaking and it wasn't just the name God. Now it changes. And the Bible says, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Now, now, now we have two names, Lord God. So it's Elohim creator, but with the word God is added Lord. This name right here means Jehovah. This is the personal name of God. Anytime we hear this name being mentioned in scripture, it means that God's personally interacting with that. And that happens in Genesis chapter two. And he says, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and he, formed, and he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and man became a living soul. This time God is not just speaking, God is personally forming man. God is personally breathing into man the breath of life, doing something that the only Elohim God could do. But the Lord part shows to us that we were personally created by God and for God. You have purpose, you have a design. There's not one person here that's here by mistake. God made you, God loves you, God created you. And you were created differently than any other creation. You were created, the Bible tells us, in the image of God. You were created with the very breath of God. And we experience this and we know this when we see in life that we experience love and laughter and joy and happiness and all of these feelings and emotions that come from family and relationships, all of these things came from God. And man can't explain these things. Oh, they try, but you can't go to the doctor and say, I want love being removed from my, my life or fear being removed from my life. Th those are feelings and emotions that came from God. And the Bible says, and man became a living soul. I'm here to tell you, every person here, you have a soul. You're so much more than flesh and blood. There's an inner part of you that was created by God to live forever. There's an inner part of you created by God to connect to God. This is so important for us to understand. Because when our connection with God is off, everything seems to be off in our life. And I know that the world around us knows this because something is off in their life. And so that you think, why would somebody ruin their life with drugs and alcohol and sex and money and all these things that they're running towards trying to satisfy something? Because man knows that there's something missing in their life. They're yearning, they're craving for something to satisfy this inner, this hole that's in their life. And they don't even know what it is. They can feel that something is off and something is missing, but they don't know what it is. Because from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, man and woman, was created to walk with God and to be with God. 
We were created to have a relationship with our Elohim, our God, our Jehovah. Now the foundation of this story is based on love. God created you because he loves you. God wanted you because he loves you. So the question is, so what messed everything up? Because part of love is choice. I, I know we get this because if you were forced to marry somebody, it wouldn't be love. You'd say, I'm not in love with that person. Don't, don't make me marry them because love involves choice. And God demonstrated this in the garden when he created us, he created choice. In the garden, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, 9, there, that there was in the garden, the tree of life. And then there was also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God created the beginning and he created two trees. Now, one of them represented life, what represented what was good, what God permitted for them to have. And on the other side, it was representing what broke the law of God or disobedience or went against God. It represented death. Why would God do this? Because love involves choice. Life is about choice. This story has a twist because the enemy of God steps in and he goes to work. And let me tell you about the enemy. He hates you. He hates me. He hates everything that God created. He disobeyed God. He got kicked out of heaven. And now he's wreaking havoc on everything that God created. And the Bible tells us that this enemy is out to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what he does. And what a description. When the Bible tells us about the enemy in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And the serpent was more subtle than any beast which the Lord God had made. What a perfect description of the enemy because he slithers right in and he begins to go to work. And let me tell you, Satan is good at what he does. You were thinking, did you just compliment the devil on Easter Sunday? Yes. Satan is good at what he does. His approach? Question God. He goes up to Adam and Eve and says, did God really say not to eat of that? Is that really what God said? He say, that's crazy. Why did Adam and Eve do that? Let me tell you, he's working on all of us the same way today. So don't, don't get all bent out of shape about Adam and Eve. He questions and says, does God really exist? Does God really love you? Does God really care about you? He questions us and makes us question these things all the time. He puts doubts in our minds. And Adam and Eve on that day, they made a choice. They chose to listen to the enemy and do what they wanted rather than listening to what God said. Now, I know today we ask the question, why is the world in such a mess? Why do we have cancer and death and sickness and sorrow and division and all this stuff that we deal with? I'm telling you, because we did this. We created the mess that we live in today. And the Bible says because of that choice, there was consequences. The Bible tells us, even the New Testament, wherefore by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for all have sinned. So their, their, their choices had consequences. Understand that their choices had consequences. But I want you to get that there's two things that are mentioned here and it explains all the grief and the hardship of this world. Number one, sin came into the world. Sin was like a disease. It was here because of this choice that they'd made and the world was changed forever. The Bible even said when, when they made this choice that the ground brought forth thorns and thistles as a result of this. And I think we understand the concept of sin because in, in the world around us, it's, it's sin is hate. We know what that is. It's all around us. Sin is greed. Sin is pride. Sometimes we make it, well, I've never murdered anybody. The Bible doesn't say that sin is just the big sins. It's the white lies. It's bitterness. It's anger. 
Sin is the opposite of God. But sin is like an infection. It spread to all of us, and as it spreads, it destroys. And, and the Bible explains to us that, that, that because of sin, now there's death. And so death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So sin came into the world, and sin had a side effect on us called death. Now, I think we understand physical death. I mean, it's, to have somebody in my life that I walk with and share life with and everything like that, when sin comes in through corruption and through sickness and all the things, it separates us. And I get this. A few years ago, I lost my dad. It's hard losing a parent. I know a lot of you know what I mean by that. My, this picture was taken hours before my dad passed away. So last time I got to talk to my dad, my life is differently. It, it's, it's so different because of this separation, because of sin coming in the world. And sin separates us. That's what, and death separates us. It's the, 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 death means that something was lost. And we see this in the story of Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve were removed from the garden. Why is that? Because the wages of sin is death. And we, we know this physically, but there's a spiritual separation between us and God. There's a spiritual separation between Adam and Eve and God because of sin coming into the world. Now this caused a huge problem. Because remember, we were created by the breath of God. We were created with a living soul. We were created in the image of God. We were created to have God in our lives. But sin broke the relationship and now we're lost without God we struggle without God and without God we really don't have peace but we long for peace in this world and because of this brokenness we know that something is missing and for so many people in this world they don't know what it is but they know something is wrong so let's fast forward because this story continues Time passes by, years go by. And now this world is broken and we live in a broken world. And I, and I know that we might not recognize it as sin today, but I'm telling we can all feel it. We see this even in our world today. Just turn on the news and watch what happens in this broken world. There's division and there's war and there's hate and there's violence and there's school shootings. There's racial tension. We can't even vote on a president without it tearing us apart as a nation sickness of sin came into our world. We needed God, but man did not recognize their need of God. But through all of this, God was working and God had a plan. God was always working. We read in the Old Testament all these stories that we love to tell about Elijah and Abraham and Isaac and Moses. But do you realize every one of those stories was just there to tell us that we were absent with God, that there was something missing in our lives, that we needed God. So God filled the Bible full of stories to help us understand our condition and to help us understand our great need of him. Let me give you one of them. And I know that you guys know this story. It's one day there was this war between the children of Israel and the Philistines. So it was God's people against the enemy, okay? Here's God's people lined up on one side of the mountain and here's the enemy lined up on the other side. And they, 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 their approach to fighting the children of God is they would send out this champion every single day. And this champion was called a warrior. His name was Goliath because this guy did not lose. 
He would walk out every single day. He was nine foot nine and had all this weapon and this warfare that he would go out to intimidate them with. And the Bible said that he would do that just to strike fear in the hearts of God's people. Now let me, I want you to get this. This is more than just a story in the Bible. This was a visual of the spiritual warfare. Without God, we are pushed around by the devil. Without God, we are pushed around by the enemy. They were losing ground, they were losing the battle. And it didn't make sense because if you look at God's people, they had physical stuff. They had weapons and swords and shield and leaders and they had a host of people with them, but they were still losing. So that's why we're talking about this. Do you ever get sick and tired of losing? And maybe in the back of your mind, man, I'm telling you, I know God, but man, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of losing. Where life seems to just push you around and the problems seem to be overwhelming and you feel beat up and discouraged and let's just be honest, you're just exhausted. Because we too are in a battle every day of our lives. And it's around us every day of our lives. And here's the thing, you can feel it, but you can't touch it. You, you know something's there. You know that there's a spiritual warfare. You feel defeated and you don't even know why. So wait, can, can we just pause this story for a minute? Because there's something you need to understand. I need you to get what's going on because we are in a battle, an unseen battle. It's a spiritual battle. We are surrounded by the enemy, but you can't see it, but it pushes you around every day. We struggle with our marriages and you don't even know why. We struggle with fear. We struggle with feeling accepted and we don't know why. We struggle with feeling that we're not good enough. Man, we feel this through addictions and behind depression and suicidal thoughts. This spiritual oppression beats you down. Let me tell you, it is evil and it is powerful and it is greater than we are. But what can we do? Nothing. It might not be the answer you were looking for, but it's the truth. It's nothing. I have no power of myself to push back cancer. I have no power to fix the addictions. I'm a pastor and people come to me all the time. I, I have nothing, nothing. I wish I could push back the evil of this world. But that's why we have these stories. Because God was at work in this story, not, not just to do something great, not just to tell us a cool story about a giant and a boy, but on this day, this boy named David shows up and he's, he's a nobody. He's a shepherd. He actually was showing up that day not to fight Goliath, not to fight the giant, but to deliver food to his brothers. He was a door dasher. That's what David was. He was, he was Uber Eats, just showed up with meat and cheese for his brothers. He's there on that day. He's, here's this enemy. And the Bible says that he wasn't there to fight the enemy, but David was somebody that walked with God every single day of his life. The Bible describes him as being a man after God's own heart. He loved God. 
so crazy about this story is, let me get it, you need to get this. David was not a warrior. David was not a warrior. He was a young man that was a shepherd. He took care of sheep, played the harp and worshiped God and wrote poetry. That's what this boy did. But when he showed up on this day, he heard the giant mocking their God and this bothered David. You know why it bothered David? Because he had a relationship with Jehovah God. And as a relationship with Jehovah God, he's sitting there going, this should not be because I serve the one true God. And David knew that their God was greater. And there is no reason why the children of God and the the people of God should be pushed around by the enemy. So David steps up and he says, "I, I will go and fight this giant. I will do this. So they did what they would naturally do. They brought him before the king and said, we've got a volunteer. And they're looking at him like, you're nothing. So they, the king walks up to him and says, well, here's my shield and here's my sword and here's my armor. And, and David did something really weird. He said, I, no, no, you don't understand. This battle can't be fought in that way. So David picks up a rock and David runs to the enemy with a rock. And David says to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and your shield but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Now stop. Did you get it? Did you see it? Did you understand what this story is all about? Because it has so much meaning to it. David was saying to the enemy, to the giant, I'm not going to fight you with stuff of this world. I'm not coming to you with what normally would work. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Did you get it? The Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. I come to you in Jehovah. I stand in this place of war and I stand in the presence of God. I stand with God on my side. He made me, he created me, he's for me. I have purpose, I have identity in the Lord God. But the Lord of hosts, the second part of that name is literally the host of our army. That God is the warrior of warriors. He is my God. He is my champion. He's the one that fights for me. David, through this, was teaching us so much. It's not about the stuff that we have that will ever bring down the enemy of this world. It's not about the stuff that we have that will ever bring victory to our lives. And I'm telling you this now because this is why we lose so much. Because we're fighting in our own strength and we're doing it in a way that the world thinks is right. Try fixing addictions with the things that the world asks. It's not going to work. Leave out God. It's not going to work. Try fixing your marriage without God. It's not going to work. We keep failing and we keep losing. But the thing is, yes, did David throw the rock on that day? Yes, he threw a rock. But it was the power of God behind the rock. The rock was the obedience, the warfare, the victory was Jesus Christ. It was the armor of God. It It was more than what we have. David dropped the giant through the power of the Lord of hosts on that day. And the lesson is simple. That we have a great champion. And he is an enemy. And he is known for bringing down people through addictions and problems over and over again. He is good at what he does and he's greater than we are. And he holds more power than we do. But the story was simply David saying, we need God. We need God. We need, the, we, we, we're lost without God. In this world, we're, we're struggling in the problems of these issues with life because we don't have God in our lives. And maybe we'll get to the point where we get sick of losing because of the stuff that you're trying to fight the war with. 
And maybe you'll turn it around and understand that God is the one that is the champion. He's the warrior of warriors. That God is the one that brings down the giants of this world. We need God. And he's the only one that can fight for us. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. You just came to Easter Sunday and you heard the story of David and Goliath. I know it's weird. Hang in there. (laughs) I know none of this sounds like Easter. But the truth is, it's the backstory to Easter. Sometimes we don't fully understand why he came without understanding the brokenness and our great need of God. This world is broken because of sin. And we have issues in this life are far greater than we can handle because of sin. And the truth is, we did we needed a warrior for far more reasons than just fighting issues in life. Because don't forget the greatest need that we have, the greatest enemy that we have that brings us down is sin. Sin brings death. And sin separates us from God. And without God, something is missing and nothing makes sense because we were created by the breath of God to have God in our life for him to be our Jehovah, not just our Elohim. So in comes God's plan to save us. So you can cue the Christmas story because you guys know this part pretty well. And the Bible says, and she shall bring forth the son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. So here comes another name, but this name we know pretty well, the name Jesus. And Jesus is described as Emmanuel, which is God with us. Now, Now think about that in light of what we talked about. It is Elohim, the creator of everything, came to us that is the that is the beauty of jesus that is the power of jesus it's the creator now is with us this is the story that changed everything because god was now born for us jesus is born into our hearts he's born for you and he's born for me we have all these names throughout the bible to teach us this to understand that he's not just elohim he's not just jehovah that he's jesus These stories about God and the love of God and everything, when we just reference this as Elohim, it can seem distant. And we read stories about Abraham, Elijah, and Jacob, and all these people in the Bible, and it kind of seems distant. So God knew that he was going to do something to help us understand God's love and God's grace. So we have John 1.14, describing Jesus. And the word that we read about, we talked about, was made flesh dwelt among us and we beheld it we got to see the love of God we got to see the glory of God the glory of the only begotten of the father what came from heaven now came to earth and that we experienced that it was full of grace and truth that God dwelt among us and through Jesus we were able to experience that God is so different than what we thought when he was God from that distance and, and, and God of heaven and God that created everything. It was the same power. But man, we, we, were, we were struggling to understand the love of God through all that. So one day, Jesus was walking by the sea and he walked right up to these guys and he said unto them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What? God was asking man to be with him, to restore what was broken, to face trials, to walk with him through life. To go with him through storms and to face the challenges. What Jesus was doing is he was giving them purpose. Jesus was giving them identity. 
he was teaching them so much about who God was and their purpose and their value to him. He was completely changing their life. Jesus wanted to be part of their life. He was teaching them by doing this that, uh, that they're desired by God. Another time, Jesus went out of his way to the city of Samaria that, to these people that were considered outcasts. The disciples left Jesus there in that moment. They went to the city to buy food and, and, and Jesus stayed there at this well. And here comes this woman that had issues. To be honest, she's just like the rest of us because we, we all have issues. This woman had been divorced five times and she's living with a man that's not currently her spouse. He started this conversation with her, conversation about who he was and why he came. And in that moment, he offered her living water, not just living water. He was offering her forgiveness, offering her to change her life and, and telling her she didn't have to do anything to earn it, that it was the love of God that was offering her. Because Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. She was experiencing that minute that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Another time, Jesus went out of his way to seek this man that nobody wanted him around. This man had issues. He had demons. He was so messed up. And I think we can understand what it's like to be in life and to be so messed up. We have demons too through abuse and all the evils of this world. But nothing he did could fix him. Nothing his family ever did could fix him. But on that day, those demons were confronted by the Son of God. Jesus walked up and he rebuked those demons and they had to leave. You say, why did they have to leave? Because they were in the presence of the Most High God. Why do we have stories like this? Why did Jesus come? He came to set the captives free. He came to confront the enemies of this life. But the greatest enemy still had to be confronted. Sin. Bible says that the payment of sin is death. Separation between us and God. That's why this next part had to happen. Because through the life of Jesus, we experience and we witness his love. But what happened next allowed us to witness his mission. He came to be our savior. He came to be our rescuer. He came to give us hope. He came to be the payment of sin. I'm I'm going to tell you the truth. The truth is there is a hell. But the thing that we don't understand is why God created hell. God didn't create hell for us. He created hell for Satan, the demons, and for sin. He created hell to clean up the trash and the garbage of this world but because we have sin in our lives and we're born in sin and we, we hold on to this sin, then, then hell is our destination. But I have good news. Jesus came to deal with our sin. He came to be the payment for our sin. And by the way, he's the only one that could because he was without sin. Our God came and he was perfect.
I think we get so used to the cross because we see it so much. That cross was a symbol of death. They would take the cross and they would punish sin on the cross. That's why we have the two thieves on the cross in the story. They did wrong. They were being punished for their sin. The cross was a visual that the wages of sin is death. You know what's so weird about that is we don't view it that way today. I, I, I know from a biblical perspective, but think about it. We decorate homes with crosses. We put them on the front of our Bibles. We'll send out Easter cards with the cross on the front of it. We, we decorate churches and we have jewelry with, with crosses on it. You say, why do we do that? That's so weird. It's, it represents death. No, today it represents hope. Because when my sin met my Savior on the cross, Jesus changed everything. He turned what was going to destroy me and separate me and represented death, and he changed it into hope. That's what God does. Today, when I see the cross, I see a symbol of hope and forgiveness. I see the love of God, and I see that I have a second chance because on the cross, Jesus paid it off. The cross is a picture for us. This is a visual that Jesus took our place. And they brought Jesus to a place called Calvary. They made him carry the cross. Why were they doing that? Because Jesus was carrying our cross. He was carrying our debt. And there they laid him on the cross. And the Bible says that they nailed him to the cross. Why were they doing this? Don't overlook what's happening here. Because you and I have a list of faults and failures. We all do. Man, we all sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us lust and we have greed and we have anger and we have issues. We all have issues. We have a past that we don't want anybody to know about. But let me explain to you what's happening. Our past and our failures would make up a giant list of our of wrongs that we've done because we're all guilty. But in this moment, know what's spiritually happened. The Bible says in Colossians that he was blotting out the list on the cross where his blood was shed he was taking that list that handwritten ordinances that were against us and they, they were contrary to us and he's taking them out of the way by nailing them to the cross think about that list of what you've done the blood of Jesus Christ covering every one of them so where you you say I'm guilty no you're forgiven because the blood of Jesus covers our sins every drop of blood was perfect and he covered that list line by line, sin by sin, past failure by past failure. Our sins were being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the story that changed everything.
So yes, Jesus died on the cross for us. They knew something happened. And something was different. And they took him off that cross and they took his body and they placed it in that grave. And one day, two days, three days go by and they discovered an empty tomb because Jesus Christ came out of the tomb on the third day and he was proving that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. You say, how is that possible? Because they didn't just kill somebody, they killed the Son of God. He was Elohim. He was the author of life. He was the giver of life. They tried to kill death. They try to kill life with death, but you can't do that because our God is life. He is the giver of life. He is the author of life. On the third day, Jesus came out of the grave to prove that it was finished, that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. That he conquered that which holds us back. He conquered that which drags us to hell. He fixed what was broken with that division that was between us and God. He came to make the wrongs right. When we see the empty tomb today, it's a reminder that we have hope. The cross is a reminder that we have hope, hope that can completely change your life. But today we shared with you the, the story. We went all the way back to the beginning to understand why we're broken and why there's sin and why he had to die and the fact that we needed a champion and that Jesus Christ was more than just Jesus. He's our savior. He is the Lord of hosts. But Satan would love for you, remember what he does is he messes with their minds. And he'd love for you to say, oh, that doesn't matter. You're fine. You're good. None of that applies to you. You do good works. You go to church. You showed up on Easter. He messes with our minds. But remember, sin separates us from God. And it's only what Jesus Christ did on the cross that fixes that. That's it. No good words works, no good deeds that we do. It's no baptism or any of those things. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the way, let me remind you one last time that we all sin. The Bible says for all of sin, it comes short of the glory of God. Without God, everything in life is off. And, and I think Satan has done such a good job of messing with people's minds that they run to everything in this world trying to satisfy and fill this gap. And nothing in this world, I'm telling you, nothing that this world has will ever fill the gap and fix that void. Nothing. There is no drug. There is no alcohol. There is no changing your life in certain ways to be able to do this. There's no turning over a new leaf. It's no trying to do better. It's only Jesus. It is only Jesus. If you're missing peace in your life, it's because you don't have Jesus. If we struggle with our identity and we struggle with all these issues in life and purpose and fulfillment, all of these things come from God. So I ask you the question, do you have peace? I know it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I go to church and I do this, I do, no, 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 stop all that. Let me just straight up ask you the question, do you have peace? If you were to die today, do you know for sure that you'd go into heaven? And I know a lot of people say, well, I hope so. This is not one of those things that I hope so. This is one of those things that I can know. I can know that I have eternal life. See, everything was broken, but God came to fix this. He came to fix it with the blood of Jesus Christ. To deal with the payment of sin that was death. When I first came to fellowship, I was the youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for about six years. 
we had uh, started our family during that time and I was working late one night at the church and uh, Logan was just a baby. So Jenny went out to the car and was sitting in the van that was parked right out this back door over here. And Jordan was hanging out with me in my office and then Jordan got bored and he said, Dad, do you care if I run out, just sit in the van with mom? I said, bud, just go straight out the door and just get in the car and sit with mom. So he went out there and time went by and I went out to the car and I got in and Jenny looked at me. She goes, where's Jordan? I'm like, well, what, what do you mean Jordan? He's with you. She said, no, he's not with me. My heart was racing. I panicked. I ran into the church. It was all locked up. It was all dark. It was late at night. And as a frantic dad, I'm screaming like a madman through the church, running through the building, screaming, Jordan. I, I was thinking the worst. What happened to him? Well, Jordan, in that moment, he got up and he went out the wrong door. He got confused and he went out the side door over there by the carport. And he pushed through the first door and the second door to get outside. And when I went around the corner, there's Jordan on the back side of that door, leaning up against that wall. And his little face was sitting there crying up against that wall and he couldn't get in, he couldn't get to me. Later he told me, he said, Dad, he said, I went out the wrong door and after the doors closed, it closed and I couldn't undo what I did. I couldn't get back in and I was so mad. He said, Dad, I'm sorry. I got so mad, I even kicked the door. Nothing I did would open that door. Dad, I was so mad that I couldn't get back to you. But can I tell you what I did? When I got around the corner, when he couldn't get to me, Dad got to him. And I can promise you there was no wall possible that could separate me from me and my child because you have to understand the love of a father. For God so loved you that he gave you the cross. For God so loved you that he made a way. And the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, for God is our peace. You wanna know what's missing in your life? When we were separated from sin, God is our peace. The cross was bridging the gap back together. God was bringing him back into our lives so that we can have Jehovah with us once again. And what God does through our peace is he breaks down the middle wall of partition that was between us. Just like me getting the Jordan, he knocked down the wall of sin and paid for the price so that we could have a relationship with God. And I told you, I'm here to tell you the truth. Jesus said to the disciples one day, he said, I want you to know this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Do you understand when Jesus was demonstrating this, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There's nothing else. There is no other way. So for anybody that have the mindset, well, I'm just gonna try to do better. I'm gonna try to get to that church and get baptized. I'm gonna, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be a better dad. I'm gonna be a better spouse. None of those things outweighs the sin in, in our lives. None of them do. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man will ever get to heaven. No man will ever experience salvation, but except through Jesus Christ. And I, I, I've said this so many times, but please hear me one more time. The wages of sin is death. It's either the substitute that God paid for us or it's hell. That's the only two options. We either choose Jesus or we choose hell. That's it. So why would a loving God send us to hell? No, a loving God died on a cross so you wouldn't have to go to hell. Don't forget that love is a choice. God extends salvation to us. God extends it to us like this. God reaches out to us and says, for the wages of sin is death, yes, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What Jesus Christ did for us was he died on the cross and he paid the debt in full and he said, here, I offer you life. 
And this time it doesn't come from the tree of life in the garden. It comes from the giver of life that died on the cross for you. Can I explain how a gift works? You don't earn a gift. So stop trying to earn what God did. You don't earn a gift. You receive the gift. And that's what God does through Easter every single year as we bring you here to say he, he paid the price. He extends the gift to you, but you have to receive it. You say, Pastor Tony, how do I receive something that costs so much? He did so much for me. It's simple. The Bible says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you know what you do? You simply trust in what Jesus Christ already did. You receive the gift of salvation by what he did, by faith. Now notice that verse says that if thou confess with thy mouth, but believe in your heart. That's the thing that so many people miss out on. Just like, what words do I say? It's not about the words you say. If I went up to my wife and I told her I love you, but I didn't mean it, she'd know that. There's something, that that, that, the belief behind it, that we go and we tell God that we love him, that we receive him. And let me tell you why we have days like this, because the word of God is powerful. We talk about that breath of God that created you, that breath of God that gave you a living soul. That word of God that we have, that we preach in every verse, everything that I was telling you guys today, you know what we did? We put it on the screen. I want you to know his words, not my words. Because those words bring conviction. And there's people here today and people watching online right now that something happened. Something turned on your head. Your eyes were open. He's like, oh, that's what I'm missing. Oh, that's why the world is broken. That's not me saying and speaking to your heart. That is the author, the creator of your life speaking to your inner soul, telling you that you need Jesus. Now here's where it gets so simple. If God is working in your heart right now, I want to extend that gift to you of what Jesus Christ did. Jesus is offering salvation on this Easter Sunday morning, but you have to receive it. And I wonder how many people you'd say, Pastor Tony, God God truly touched me during this. Man, I know that I, I don't have peace. And I couldn't answer the question for sure if I was to die today that I'd know to go to heaven. I don't know that. But today's the day to settle that. Today's the day to know for sure. Don't play games with God. So if you're here in person or you're watching online, I challenge you right now to pray this prayer. It's not the words that you say. It's from your heart. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that that sin separated me from God. So God, I know that you died on the cross. You paid for my sins. And now you offer me the gift of salvation. God, right now I receive in my heart that gift of salvation. God, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins and to save me and to set me free. God, be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you right now, you say, I don't know if I prayed it right. There's no wrong way to pray to an almighty God because he knows your heart. We're just making the confession with our lips. We're believing with our hearts. That's what it's all about. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take an action to this. If you made a decision for Christ today, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take out your phone and simply text the word hope to the number on the screen. You say, Pastor Tony, I did make that decision. I'm I'm not going to hunt you down. I'm not going to drag you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nothing like that. 
but I would like to personally pray for you. I'd love to follow up with you. So to, right now, just in your seat, you say, Pastor Tony, I, I made a decision and I'm asking you to pray for me. I'm, I, I'm ready to acknowledge that decision. And man, if God did that in your life, praise God for that. Amen, amen. God is good and God is faithful and God has set you free. Amen. It's what God does. 